today in the Torah to you. We're going to discuss a little bit of last week's portion. I had uh, some thoughts I wanted to share with you. I wanted to get your input, actually. That is still the portion of Ayetze. And this week's portion is actually Vayishlach already. Um, I haven't prepared that much. And, uh, but it's also, today is the 10th day of Kislev, which is also a, one of the special holidays in the Chabad calendar. Because there are basically only five days. Officially, some add another day, but officially there's only five days in the Jewish calendar which Chabad does not say this Tachanun prayer, which means they treat it like a festival. On non-holidays, we do Tachanun. Those are Vidu Yoshamnu Bagadnu, we ask Hashem forgiveness, but if it's a holiday, we don't do that. So there's five days in the calendar in which we don't say Tachem. Today, which is the 10th day of Kislev, is one of those five days. Actually, uh, two, two and one. So they actually go together. So you have Yutes and Chof Kislev, in addition to today. And you have Yud Beis and Yud Gimel Tammuz which is in the month of Tammuz, the 12th and 13th of Tammuz. It's 19th and 20th of Kislev, plus the 10th of Kislev. They are all related to a Rebbe being freed from prison, from incarceration. The Alter Rebbe was freed on Yutes Chof Kislev. There's a reason why we do two days over there, uh, because the Alter Rebbe was released like very close to the evening, and he ended up in the wrong house. There was a two-family house. It was supposed to go. And the problem was the Hasidim lived on top. And the uh, Misnagdim that got him into trouble, they lived on the bottom. And he went by accident. They dropped him off, I guess, with a wagon. They didn't have a GPS there. They didn't have the, right, didn't have the exact right address over there. So he went into the, and, uh, he went into the Misnagid's house. And the Misnagid started, How bothering Rebbe? Why did you have to change the Nusach? And he started... And the people, the Hasidim, were gathered upstairs and they were waiting for the Alter Rebbe to come. They knew he was being freed. And finally somebody realized he must have got the wrong, uh, the wrong address. He must have gone downstairs. And they went there and they heard, so they started knocking. They heard that he was screaming at the Alter Rebbe, so they started knocking at the door. And he saw, the, he didn't have a choice to answer. They were going to break down the door. And the Alter Rebbe says, no. We're going to finish. He offered Dr. Rebbe a tea. Dr. was drinking tea. He says, we're going to finish the tea. And only after that. But he was very disrespectful, the Alter Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe almost said that those few hours that he spent with his house, it was worse than his. <laughs> but, but, but we don't say Tachno. Therefore, so it turns out that the actual redemption was on the 19th. But by the time he got to the Hasidim, it was the 20th, though they gave it a two-day holiday. Mm-hmm. So that's Yutes and Chof. Mm-hmm. And Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tammuz is the day of liberation of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe of Yosef Yitzchok, the father-in-law of our Rebbe. Um, his, he, he was imprisoned, you know, so in Russia, and he was sent to Kastrama, and then, uh, then he was sent to exile there. And then uh, finally on the... 12th and the 13th day, so what happens is it was a legal holiday on the 12th. So they told the Rebbe that he's being freed from prison on the 12th. But they couldn't actually give him this documentation for that, so it had to wait till the 13th. So again, that's why we have two days. We have Yud Beis and Yud Gimel Tammuz. We have two. Which Rebbe was this? That's the previous Rebbe, Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak. The father of, the father-in-law of the Rebbe. 
And then you have the Mittler Rebbe, whose uh, day of liberation we celebrate today on the 10th day of Kislev. Uh, he was the son of the Alter Rebbe, Shneir Zalman. He uh, succeeded him after the passing of the Alter Rebbe. Uh, his name was Duvber. He was named after the Magid of Mizrich, whose name was Duber. And, you know, the Rebbe, the, actually, the Rebbe had daughters, the Alter Rebbe, and he asked his teacher for sons, and he gave him advice how he should merit sons. Actually, he told him, interesting, is he told him basically Achnasus Orchim is a uh, good omen for sons, he says, in Achnasus Orchim. As the verse goes there. But, so that's also something we're going to hopefully discuss a little bit later about on about Yud Kislev, about the Middle Rebbe's uh, freedom of prison. And then we also have, yesterday was both the day of passing and the birthday of the same Mittler Rebbe, of Dover. It, it was something strange happened because um, the Mittler Rebbe, uh, he was basically uh, exonerated. It was a long, it, it took a few years till it was fully cleared uh, from the uh, situation, but uh, when they found out, the Rebbe said that the next year um, they should celebrate it. They make a celebration of his freedom. But it so happened that the day before he came, he passed away. Mm-hmm. So they had a song they would sing, you know. The Rebbe said to be happy, but they sung it in a very, in a sad tune. Because the Rebbe said to be happy, but and they weren't happy. It was the Rebbe's passing. So that was yesterday, was Tes Kislev, and today is the day, today is Yud Kislev. Um, let me just share with you an idea. Something, sometimes, you know, you, you learn a, a portion of the Chumash, and this is first, we'll start with last week for a few minutes, and then we'll go over there. So sometimes you read a portion, and, you know, you're bothered by it. You know, you don't, uh, you know, you see, you know, base, you know, who, who are we to judge what's right, what's not right, what's wrong. I mean, we're, we have a very limited perspective. Of course, the Torah is always right. But still, you know, sometimes you're bothered by a certain passages that it says in the Torah, and then you ask yourself, you know, I mean, is this really, is this really right? So I want to draw your attention. I'm, I'm sure you know some of the story, but I'm just going to uh, briefly tell you what happened at the end uh, with Lovon parting from... Uh, 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 Yaakov parting from Lovan. So after Yaakov has his, <coughs> Yaakov has his family, right? Uh, the different uh, Leah gives birth to six sons and a daughter, and uh, each one, uh, uh, Rachel gives one, has only Yosef, but uh, the other, uh, Bilhah and Zilpah, each one have two. Yaakov says to Lovan, uh, listen, i ready to go home, I have my family, I want to go home. And Lovin says, no, please stay a little bit longer. He says, stay longer with me. Because, you know, I see that all my blessings that I have is because of you. Because I can see. He actually says, Nechashti, you know, I've, through magic he can see. But he says that the blessings go to Yaakov. Because of Yaakov. Please stay. Tell me what do you want for your pay? You see... That's, you know, I don't like, you know, a lot of places, if you go for employment, the job, it's just that, by the way, you know, sometimes they tell you what the offer is, you know, they put the offer, we pay such and such. Sometimes they tell you, how much do you want? They're hoping that you're going to say low, and they're going to say, yeah. okay. No, they'll ask how much do you want. Tell them, what, what is the pay? So you know what the, 
what you what, what you're getting into. No, no. They, how much would you like? You know, and oh, and if you say a number, oh, that's too high. You know, anyway. So, so yeah, Lovin says, how much do you want? You know, he says, what do you want? What can I do for you? Tell me what you want. Pay. Okay. So Yaakov says, you know, you don't have to pay me anything, really. He says, Yaakov, you know, Yaakov fell for it, and Yaakov says, okay, you don't pay me anything. He says, what? The only thing is, from this point and on, if there's ever going to be like spotted the brown and the sheep and the goat, you know, he makes up with him a deal. Those will be mine. The rest is yours, and you know, mine's. I'll keep a separate herd. Take away all this spotted and all the everything. Put it with your sons. Take, let them take care of this. He gives them the weak ones. He gives them the uh, difficult ones. You take care of them, okay? And Yaakov said, "Fine." Lovin says, "Oh, wow, great, good deal. This guy isn't too, you know, <laughs> not the brightest bulb in town here." And he says, "He's ready for that. We'll go for it, okay?" Then eventually. Hashem was with Yaakov, and Yaakov became very, very successful. The parsha spends quite some time telling how Hashem miraculously helped him, and how what Yaakov did with the with the sticks. It goes through the whole thing and the maklis, and then eventually he becomes he bursts out in his uh, uh, fortune. He has slaves and camels and donkeys and maidservants, everything. It's very, very rich. And now there's murmuring going on by the uh, his brother-in-law's love and son. Uh, they're saying, "Look at this guy. You know, he's made all this fortune. You know, it, it's it's our money. You know, he's taking it all away. You know, the newcomer here. He's done. You know, our sister is gonna take over the whole inheritance over here. You know, he's he's taking it. Belongs to us. And blah, blah, blah. no, no. So." It says, the Torah says, the Torah starts saying, so Yaakov calls his wife, so and he says, you know, uh, I see that your father, your, my brother-in-laws, your, your brothers, uh, they, they love him there. They're no longer, you know, friendly to me, and they're no longer uh, f- friends. And, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable. I think we have to. And Hashem has appeared to Yaakov, told him that he should leave, time to go home. So he conveys it to his wife, and his wife says, you know, of course, you know, look, you know, he says, everything that you have, you worked hard, and then he says further, he says, you know, we've been like strangers to him, he sold us to you instead of giving, uh, like most people do, they give a dowry for the, he actually made you work to, to get us, he says, you know, we don't have anything else, let's go. So Yaakov says, he went at night time, he gathered all of his stuff, and they ran, while well, Lovin went to uh, go to him. Now, listen to this story here. So it says, while Lovin was away, Leia goes in, Rachel goes in, thank you, Rachel goes in, and she still steals the trophim, she steals the idols from her father. Why did she steal the idols from her father? Rashi says she didn't want him to worship idols. Okay, that's Rashi, she didn't want to worship idols. Okay. She steals them. Okay, so now traveling for three days already so somebody goes back three days to tell Lovon somehow he finds out that he's escaped he comes running back and he makes a whole thing he says Yaakov how come you ran away and you didn't allow me to kiss my children and you and you went you know uh, like a thief you know he makes him you know tells him a whole big rebuke he says, you know, I can do bad to you. Hashem appeared to me in the dream, told me, don't talk, nothing good, no bad. Just don't. 
So he says, good. Then this is what he says to him. He says, okay, you went home because you missed your home. You wanted to go home to your parents. You want to go to your place. You go, okay, I understand that. What did you steal my gods? What did you steal my gods for, he says. Yaakov says, so your gods? I have no idea. So your gods. Yaakov says, look, anybody who stole your gods shall not live. Actually, it's brought down that that's why Rachel died on the way because because wow. she is the one that stole it and that curse that came from Yaakov actually affected her later. She was pregnant at that time. Yeah. Not sure if she was pregnant, but she had the baby later. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not yeah. sure exactly if she was pregnant at the time. Right? She couldn't have been pregnant. At least she told her father that she had her period again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Unless you know, again, I'm not getting into the biology over here. Yeah, but exactly what was going on. But anyways, so. So he says, so he says, look, go ahead, check. He goes into the uh, Yaakov's tents and then the, 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 the uh, other room, Leia's tents and the Shavach's tents, and he goes back and forth. He looks and finds nothing. <coughs> now, Yaakov all of a sudden speaks up. Yaakov <coughs> gives it all out. All of his anguish, all of his pent up suffering and abuse that he took all this time. He says, I'm 20 years in your house and I've been bitten by the frost and I've been burnt in the heat and you changed my, my reward and you kept on changing your worth and everything I served you faithfully and you always abused me and he goes on and on and on telling him all, telling him off everything we're doing. And now, as I'm leaving, what did you come here? You went through everything of my, that I owned. You went through and all my stuff. You took it everything in, threw everything out. He says, come on, let me see, show what's, what did you find over there? Did you find anything over here? Let our people, my people and your people, let them judge and see who is, of course. And then the Pasuk says, Rachel says very politely, she says, Papa, she says, don't be upset that I can't get up. It's at that time of the month. She says, I can't get up for you. And she put the idols underneath the cushion of the camel. Then the, the verse goes on. They leave. All of them love and says, you know, let's make a pact. We're not going to go there. You're going to do this. You're going to treat my daughters right. You're not going to get any other women. You're not going to marry any other wives. You're, we're not going to fight with each other. They make a pact. They make that. What's the problem that I have here that I want to ask you is... But wait a minute. Wasn't Lovin right? I mean, Lovin said, you know, what, what, is the, what does the Pusik seem to imply? The story? No. So he said, look, the evidence is here. But that's wrong evidence. The evidence, what do you mean the evidence is here that we didn't find it, the Pusik is saying? That's only because Rachel played a big trick over here. Rachel was in the wrong. Yaakov was in the wrong. They did steal his, his idols. I don't think Yaakov knew. I don't say he knew. Oh, okay. But the Torah is telling us, basically, you get away with deception. No. Basically, he is the one, Laban was deceived, and we put all the evidence and we said, oh, we read the Chumash, we read the Pasuk, it seems like you didn't find anything, right? So that's proof, I'm right? And you're the bad guy, right? And I'm the good guy. But wait a minute, okay, that's what it looks like. 
but we know the truth. We know that Rachel did steal it, and they did have it, so what kind of a good guy is Yaakov over here? What is he telling you? Laman happens to be right in this case. That's what he's not. Who's bothered by that? I want to open it up. Any, any suggestion? I'll tell you. Yeah? I just thought immediately of Yaakov deceiving yeah. his father when he dressed yeah. up as Esau. Yeah. Okay. okay, so that's, that's, Yaakov has been, that's, that's been connected, yeah. that he was also deceived with, with Rachel and Leah before this, yeah. uh, also connected to that. Yes. But what is the message of the Torah here? Is the Torah telling us that we're going to bring evidence, which is not really evidence, and we're going to get away with it because we don't know the real story. And Lavan chased him and he told him, why did you steal my gods? And Lavan was correct, because he did steal his gods. And, uh, and Yaakov seems to be getting away with it, not knowing. I'm not saying Yaakov did it intentionally. But at the end of the day, it seems very difficult to understand this. I had a very hard time when I read this, this year. I think the past, I had a very hard time really understanding here, what's the meaning of this? How could we justify and say that Lovem was the bad guy over here when it seems like, yeah, go ahead, you seem like you have an answer. No? I, no? I, I, a suggestion, but I'm not sure it's an answer. Yeah. Um, if there was a meta reason for those idols to be taken, um, that something that God didn't want those idols in Levon's house anymore, for whatever reason. Um, in other words, she didn't steal his um, donkey or some other sort of menial thing. She stole his idols, you know, which was like a whole idolatry thing. And, and I'm not saying that, uh, that this is going to help Levon make, you know, Teshuvah or anything like that, but that, that maybe there was a reason that Hashem put everybody through this little charade that he needed to take, she needed to take those idols for her sake, for his sake, for her father's sake, for, for somebody's sake. Um, and then if later on she does get pregnant um, with Benjamin, then maybe there's something to do with this. You know, like maybe there's a connection between those things. So I, I'm not really asking whether Rachel did right or wrong. Right. That's not the question of here. My questioning is: my question is, the Chumash seems to present the evidence that Yaakov presents as being good evidence when we know that that's not good evidence. We know that it's not really the case. That uh, my problem is not whether Rachel had a right to do it or didn't have a right. It was meaningful. Hashem orchestrated this. I understand that, but I, I, I have a problem with the evidence. What's going on over here? It seems almost that Lavan happened to be right. He was wrong. He, could, he couldn't prove it. But he was really, he was really right. But he can't prove it because they deceived him. That's that, what it seemed to me. Until I, I think I feel, yeah, go ahead. That often happens. I feel like that is a very, I mean, I don't know how common that is, but it's certainly common in like modern day and throughout history in criminal law where, you know, we, police and investigators, they judge something based on, the evidence that they quote unquote see, but there's very often times when evidence is hidden and you can't even know that because you don't even know that it's hidden. So the whole situation sort of goes one way, whereas the truth or the reality is completely different. And I actually figured out the POSIC also because of a personal situation, talking about courts, that I figured out the answer, not because I'm so smart, but <laughs> I just figured out and I, it, it just occurred to me something very interesting. Uh, you know, from real life, you know, and again, I'm not really, I just want to focus on the possible over here, what it, what it really is, that's what I really want to focus on. Okay, so first, let's put things a little bit in, in, in perspective. Okay, love on, now, I want to ask another question. What happened all these years? Yaakov is complaining. 
all these years. He says, you have done this to me, you have done that to me. How come Yaakov never spoke up? He didn't say anything. Well, if he was abused all the time, and you know, what, 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 why was he quiet? Why didn't he say anything? What happened all of a sudden? And then I ask you, the other question is, why did Yaakov, how, how all of a sudden Lovin becomes, he makes a pact. Here he's always cheating and always now he's making a pact. What, what, what's going on over here to get a little bit of understanding? And the other thing is, he was always only looking, Lovin, for those gods. He didn't say that he had anything else, that he had any uh, suspicion. He was looking, he was looking for the gods, he was looking for the trophy. I'm going to assume that those trophies weren't like little, uh, little, little things. They used to be idols. They must have been, you know, uh, something big that he can worship them. It seemed, I would, I would pay. It wasn't like a little item. You didn't have to open up, you know, every bed and every couch to find them. What, what was he? What was he looking everywhere? Mishashtas called Kayla. You went through all the things, you know. Today, if somebody accuses you of something, let it be whatever it is. Then they have a right. You're right or wrong. You know, they just have a lawyer and they accuse you of something. Then they have a right for discovery. They can go through everything you own. They don't care whether it has anything to do or not. And this does they want. That's what happens. You know, that's how they're getting people, other people. They just, you know, they just, you know, they just file different things. But back to our story. You know, Lovon wasn't just an ordinary cheater. I mean, just look at his name. He named himself Lovon, the white one. So, which means. You know, sometimes when you're going to buy a car, you go to a car dealer, you know, you come prepared, you know, I looked it up in the green book and the blue book, and I know what the price, because you know, or the old days used to call it a horse dealer, you know, you don't look at the teeth of the horse to see. You know, you know already that you're dealing here with people that are going to try to sell you something that either you don't need, you don't want, or, you know, book you out of more money than you really have to spend. So you come prepared, and you say, I know, I'm but sometimes you come to somebody who's not only is a, a cheat, but he pretends to be the a nice guy. You know, he's he's the most honest and upstanding, upscale person. So look look what happens with Lovin in the first encounter we read in the parsha this last week in the parsha's Vayetze. So the first thing is the guy makes up with him. I'm going to work for seven years. He labors for seven years. It's very clear. He tells him, Rochel, Bitcho Haktana. He tells him exactly, I want Rochel. So don't bring me another person from the street whose name is Rochel. You know, and name somebody else Rochel. I don't bring another person named Rochel. It's Bitcho. I'm talking about your daughter. Now, I know that you have an older daughter. You might change the younger daughter, the older daughter's name to Rochel too. Now you're going to go. <laughs> so Haktana, the younger one, he tells him, Rochel, Bitcho Haktana. It's clear. Who I'm talking about? I want. I'm going to be working for you for Rachel, your daughter, the younger one. That's the one I'm working for. Clear, no questions. Absolutely clear. After seven hard laborers here, he worked in faithful and everything else. Comes the night of the marriage without anything else. First of all, he doesn't even say anything about seven years are up. You know, he, he forgot. He's not like. Sometimes the employees forget to pay your check, they forget, they forget that it's the weekend, they forget that you worked extra, you know. And then you have to record, you know, working in such a place, I don't know if you ever worked in such a place, but it's just so feels, you know, instead of people honorably paying you or whatever, you work for your husband, so that's a different story. <laughs> I pay him. <laughs> so, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you're working for these people, you know, where they're always trying, you know, 
or they make sound to you, they're doing you the biggest favor, you know, you work for them and everything else, that they're even paying you, you know, you should tell them thank you a hundred times for paying. But, uh, yeah, love and forgets all of a sudden that there was a deal. So Yaakov has to tell them, you know, the seven years are up. I worked here for my wife. Give me my wife, please. You know, I mean, this time is up, you know. So he has to remind them. He doesn't know himself. So, okay. And then at the end of the day, he goes up and brings him Leia instead of Rahm. Okay, so that's a thief, you would say. Good. He's a truth, yeah? Did uh, Lavan bring um, Leia to him, or yeah. was it Rachel? Rachel, uh, uh, Rachel sort of conspired, because she didn't want her sister to be embarrassed. She, because Yaakov figured out who he's dealing with. So, uh, you know, I guess, how do you trick? Because it was at nighttime, so they, maybe not. Maybe they looked a little bit alike, even though they were, it says that yeah, her eyes were dark, she was crying, but it was still at nighttime. They didn't have electricity. They, didn't, they couldn't exactly tell who the person was. So, he, when she saw, Rachel saw, that Leia is going, and perhaps uh, Rachel knew, Rachel didn't know that Lovon, the Lovon doesn't know that she and Yaakov had spoken and she gave him a certain sign that it's her, that she shouldn't be. They suspected that. But when she saw that he's actually bringing in Leia to him, so Rachel went and gave her the signs so that she should be, you know, caught, embarrassed like that. So now, now look, look to this. So, so what happens? So gets up in the morning, it's Leia, it's not Rachel. So he goes to his father and says, but I, I worked with you for seven years for... For Rachel, what did, you, what did you give me Leia? He says, he doesn't say to him, he says, what are you doing? Leia also gave him commandment. We don't do things like that. What do you want? You want me to marry the younger one before the older one? What kind of a man are you? Are you, know, you're not sensitive? You don't care? He twists the table around. He makes, he says, you're the bad guy, not me. I mean, we made a deal, yeah, but what are you talking about? How could I keep him in the deal? How could I hurt Leia's feelings and marry Rachel before Leia? We don't do things like that. So he's the tzaddik now. So everything he did. You know, if one thing we look about uh, Yaakov, the pastor said he was Ishtam. He was a, a simple person. He said the truth. What did he, he, didn't, he didn't get what's going on in the world. And even love him. Love and tricked him, he cheated him, he abused him, but he, he didn't speak up for himself. He was afraid to speak up for him. You know, those, he was that kind of a character. He couldn't stand up to Lovan. Lovan called the shots. Every time he said something to Lovan, Lovan turned it around and said, you're the bad guy. So he suffered. What do you think that Lovan, that Yaakov had to run away? Because he couldn't stand up. Because he had to run, as he told him. He asked him, why'd you run? Because he says, I was afraid of you. He answered him, he says, you're going to steal my wives? You're going to steal them? I had to run away. Lovon was such a cheater that he wanted all the time to prove to everybody, he brought proof that Yaakov is the bad guy. He always, he always, he always twisted the tables around on Yaakov. Yaakov was scared of him, and Yaakov was afraid, and Yaakov said, you know what, better take the abuse and everything else, I'll keep my mouth shut, and that's it, you know. We know some women like that, yeah. we know some men like that, you know, they just don't want to fight, and they don't do it, so they say, let me just take it, and that's it, let's not make a big to-do about it. So, okay. But, 
So what happens is like this. Finally, Lovon has the opportunity. Yeah. Lovon sees Oh, the truffle were stolen. Do you Lovon know who stole your truffle? He had no idea who stole it. But right away he says, Yaakov, he says, Lomo Gonafto, why did you steal my trophim? He didn't say that my trophim were stolen, my idol was stolen. He accused Yaakov that Yaakov is the one that stole it. And he had all of his family and all of it. He said, I've been telling you that this guy pretending to be such an innocent, you know, little nice good guy, he's no nice guy. He says, he says, Lomo Gonafto, who gave, why did he accuse Yaakov, you don't know if Yaakov stole it or didn't steal it. The fact that you don't have your trophim in your place gives you a right to go ahead and accuse Yaakov for doing it? He didn't say, do you know where my trophim is? Did you see? Aha. He had another plan, this Lovon. Lovon, being a Lovon, he was sure that something Yaakov was hiding over the years. He must have taken something here. He was looking for an excuse to go through everything. This was his excuse. He got the moment. He finds it. He says, why did you steal? Love, Yaakov didn't steal anything. Somebody else may have taken it. I don't know. There's a lot of gun of them out there. Maybe there's other people interested in the trophy. Why are you accusing Yaakov? Maybe one of the wives did it. Maybe your daughters did it. Maybe somebody else. He didn't care, and he didn't ask, he didn't want to ask. He was just looking for an opportunity to go ahead to make Yaakov look bad. But I think there's something more to it. Rachel was watching the whole time how her father is being, how her husband is being abused by her father. And she wanted him to speak up for himself. She wanted him to say something. And he was always the nice guy saying, let it be, let it go. We're not going to do anything about it. We can't. Nobody's going to believe us. You know, nobody's going to believe me. He's too powerful. Lovin is the popular Ramai in the city. Nobody's going to believe us if we tell the story. Nobody's going to live. So he always kept his mouth shut. He said he suffered something. But Rachel, his wife, she could not take it. She knew that if you confront this thief, with his thievery, you give it to him, you show him up once and for all, then you'll put a stop to it. Because you're gonna, if you allow him to continue to abuse you, and you allow him, he will never stop. So Rachel devised, she baited her father. She took the trophim, she took those trophim, because she knew that her father is going to accuse Yaakov. She wanted him to accuse Yaakov because she finally felt that after all this, Yaakov was going to have to defend himself. You know, he says, you stole it. And once it burst out, then Yaakov went all out. He's saying, you know what? What? So Yaakov was actually right. The Pasuk is right. Because he says, did you steal? No, Yaakov didn't steal anything. And Yaakov, Lavan accused him of stealing it. And Yaakov didn't know about it. And he didn't do it. And he already used that as an excuse to go through everything that Yaakov had. Mishash Keloi. He went through everything that he owned and he just made a churban, a mess over there. And Yaakov says to him, Aha, now Yaakov finally has to speak up. He has no choice. So he says, No, can you find something? 
weren't looking for the trophim. You weren't looking for your idol. You, you accused me for stealing when you used it as a pretext so that you can go through my stuff because you thought that I'm like you, that because you want to steal something and you're always stealing from people, you thought that I'm going to steal too. So you judged me by your glasses and you thought that since I want a ganve, then you're a ganav too. So he says, come on, show me. Where did I go? He wasn't looking for the trophim. His mishas is called Kayla. He was looking just to see. He couldn't believe that in all the 20 years that Yaakov was sitting there, he didn't take something that didn't belong to him. Because that's the way he lived his life. So he said to him, Lama Mishashta. So Yaakov says to him, Go ahead, what did you find? Because he didn't say, Did you find the trophim? He says, What did you find out? Because that you were looking for something. Can you show me anything you're looking for? So what Rachel did was, she knew that sometimes the only way to stop an abuser is by standing up to him. There's no other way. You have to stop it. You have to stand up and you have to speak up. And Rachel could not get Yaakov to do that until it came to this explosion. Mm-hmm. And guess what happens after this story? All of a sudden there's a major change. Lovan says, okay, you know what, let's make peace. Let's not, hurt. you know, she stopped him. Finally stopped him because she, he stood up for himself. And Rachel is the one that really facilitated that. Before they left, she didn't want to go leave over there without, if they would not steal the trophy. Mm-hmm. And Yaakov and Lovan would not have an opportunity to prove to all of his men that were running with him that Yaakov is the Ganev. Maybe he wouldn't run after him. Maybe he would say, Baruch Shepatan, you left. Maybe he wouldn't even run after him. She wanted to make sure, that's just a suggestion, that he's going to come running after them. <coughs> so she said, well, now he has his opportunity. Not because he needed to trough him so much. You know, he can get these, these getchkes, these idols, you can replace them easily. <laughs> but she knew that he won't miss the opportunity to show to everybody that Yaakov is a Ganev. And that's what she wanted to do. And she went and it worked. And he went and he accused him. And that's when Yaakov finally, finally, after all these years, never said a word, finally speaks up for himself. And take, guess what? Lovan is already, already taken aback. In life, we have sometimes stories like that when people try to twist things around in you, whether it's in your home, whether it's in the community. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to say that you have to do the best you can. The Abishter knows the truth. Mm-hmm. And you have to try to, of course, you know, defend yourself. You have to speak up for yourself. And you mm-hmm. shouldn't let this happen. The abuse happened. But... Um, the end of the day, you see, Yaakov at the end of the day came, he was whole, his money, his, his, everything that he had was whole and it worked out perfectly for him. So he didn't end up having any losses and anything. He was also healed and everything else that he did, he was okay. You know what I thought? It's so sure, yeah. I, I never heard this, huh? but it was Wow, this is so interesting about her trying to set her husband up I love I've never that. heard that. I like it very much. It. That's, that's original. Brilliant. It's, it's original. It's really brilliant. But I, it came from real life a little bit. Yeah, right. uh, that's how I put it together. Well, that, no, that, well, yeah, that's yeah. why that happened to you, so that you can see, right? I don't know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We get me, yeah. So the one thing that I loved about the portion, I don't know if we got to it last week or not, I think we did, is that as soon, as soon as Yosef is born, the very next Pusik, Yaakov goes, we're out of here. 
and it's like his that and the neshama of and I was thinking about this with, with you know our grandchildren and all the neshamas that come into our lives, the yeah. um, and then 